Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Facebook Live. It's our town hall with Mr. Z, and it's good to see you all chiming in here. We're slowly seeing people find their way to the page and get online with us. We've got about 14 people out there so far, and we'll let them all get connected. Uh, it's PTO in the house tonight, and so I'm really excited to welcome Maria and her team. Maria, go ahead and turn video and uh, mute, and uh, let's see if we can get everybody online here. Woohoo! PTO time. <laughs> Maria, tell tell us about your team and take us inside. We got lots of good stuff to share, and I'm ready to share screen and show some of the bits and bobs here as we get going. But what's happening in PTO circles? A lot of things are happening. Uh, thank you, John, for the invitation. Um, I would like to thank first of all the community because we never had the chance to thank all the community like personally and live. So for their support, um, they have welcomed the new PTO team with such a positivity that gives us the motivation to work even harder. So thank you so much, everyone. Thank you very much. Having your positive feedback every day, uh, it's, it's amazing. And we're trying our best, that's for sure. So this year, um, John, I want to say that this year is gonna be a little bit different but we're going to have fun along the way and we're showing that already. So it's all about small gatherings this year and creating little groups, you know, um, and um, the middle school, the high school and the elementary representatives, Paru, Stefania, Domicella are doing an amazing work into keeping the community connected together with the great representatives. We're already had uh, coffee mornings, uh, on Zoom or outdoors when the weather was good and we're exchanging ideas and it's so nice for parents to feel that once a month they will go out with the parents of the same grade within the same court so keeping always the safety protocol and at the same time having fun and feeling that we don't have the cafeteria this year but still we can meet our friends and uh, all parents. So at the same time, Kinga, for example, has started very dynamically this year with her cultural outings. Today, we went to Nyeborov Palace. I, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it, but I'm sorry. You're my pretty voice. close. <laughs> okay. We had an amazing time. She's offering her expertise and her knowledge. It's amazing. Thank you, Kinga, so much. We're uh, inaugurating our PTO book club. On mm -hmm. October 7th, Kara Graham is our leader. The Jane Austen Society is our first book. So please join. Uh, most probably we will have the meeting on Zoom. Mm -hmm. So again, this is a new activity from the PTO. Uh, the, um, we have, if you have seen, we have our new office. Mr. Campbell likes to call it Chalet, our container. Winter a chalet. I love that. That's great. <laughs> so we bought our new banner and the joke of the month is that you can spot it from Google Earth because it's like huge. Brilliant. That's yes. what we wanted. <laughs> Everyone knows where we are, but it has been the attraction also of the month and people pass by and we chat and we offer them coffee. So again, another way of communicating and of staying connected right so it's been only one month and a half and we've been doing so many things already yeah. with the support of the community now we're organizing uh the raffle and aloma and you of course you're going to talk more about it 
Uh, we're gonna have the zombie run for Halloween in a different way again. We're not doing the hot chocolate this year. Uh, we're doing, uh, we, we're offering treats, uh, but again, we're not doing face painting, but we're still, we're, we're abiding by the rules of, you know, keeping the community safe. We're validating always all of the risk factors. We're yeah. also doing the trick or trunk, treat or trunk. And Aloma again is going to speak about it more. She's American and she knows very well how to organize <laughs> it and to plan it. Um, and many, many things that we have many ideas and we're planning a lot of things this year. Uh, it's going to be different, but it's going to be fun for sure. And, and I just, I've sat in on just a couple of those coffees out there, uh, a couple of grade levels that I popped in on. And it looks like everybody's having a wonderful time having a chat in the coffees and planning also the grade level activities. So there's all those things going on as well. I know they're celebrating birthdays out there. They're making sure everything is, is taken care of from a community point of view. So it's just fabulous, all the things going on. Well, do you want to move to raffle? Is that is that next yeah, up? One more thing, the mask. Sure. We've, all, we've uh, ordered already the mask, the ASW Warrior masks, and it's going really well. We will order new colors, military green and navy blue. Uh, and we're ordering more uh, black masks. So if you want to pre-order, just post a comment on our ASW Parents Facebook page, and woo, we will keep them for you. Excellent. And I, I have to tell you, that's my favorite mask now because it's literally the most comfortable one that I wear. I, I, I have to get more of them though because the current one's in the wash already and getting recycled so I can have it back on tomorrow. But I really appreciate that design and the effort that went into that. That's a, a brilliant one. And, and I think a, a lot of people that I've seen wearing them around school really appreciate having that additional option on the table. But All right, should we talk? Raffle time and Aloma time. Okay, raffle time. I'm gonna share the uh, raffle screen here. So hold on while I pull that up, but why don't we start talking through it? Tell us about it. Awesome. Okay, well, uh, the raffle is doing really well. Uh, everybody has contributed. We have 150, I think it's 146 or seven baskets and vouchers right. from our community. Um, okay. It's doing very well. Um, I'm not sure exactly if, uh, if people know how to go into um, the, the system and and get their in, entries entries. Well, I'm showing so I'm showing them on the screen right now. So it's this go.rallyup.com and then forward slash ASWPTO. So it couldn't be much easier than that. And of course, we've I'm publishing that link in just about every morning update now so that people are reminded about it. It was certainly in today's. Um, and so this is the page right here in front of them. And you can see that I can scroll down and this wonderful picture of our PTO board here. And then I can scroll past that and all the boot, all the baskets are right here. And it's as simple as clicking on buy entry, right? And then right. you have a choice. You, if you really want it, you want more entries, right? Right. It gives <laughs> you more options. For $50, you get 200, 200 entries. Right. And then there's also a choice to uh, get more entries for um, for a little bit more. If you use that 
yeah, there you go. That, there you uh, go. So you just take this drop down and you can do them in any combo and you can actually buy different combos. So you can have 270 or 225 or add another 25 and have right. 250 entries, however you want to do it. So you click on the entries you want, you click exactly. buy entries and a little window pops up and it says, here's your price tag for it. And you have two choices right. at this point. You can either proceed to checkout, but don't click that yet. What you want to do first is add more, right? <laughs> and if we hit add more, we're back on the page and we can scroll down and see the other wonderful baskets and prizes available. Right. Super, super simple. And it's also posted, this whole directions are posted on the uh, Facebook parents page as well. So if and then when you're all done getting your and when you're all done getting your entries, we've got a, a shopping cart up here at the top. And it's just a usual checkout mm -hmm. for anybody who's done online shopping. Check out. You just check out like Couldn't you normally do. Easier. Yeah. Right. So we have two more days and 14 more hours to do our bids. And then we will go live on the 4th at 3 o'clock and announce the winners. Not all winners are going to be announced, unfortunately, because we just don't have enough time for all the baskets to be announced. Oh, yeah. I'm scrolling um, here. Look at October, all of this, right? <laughs> it's quite a lot. Um, but on October 5th, you'll get, if you do win, you'll get um, an email saying that you won. Yep. And then I think yeah, what we're suggesting is, right, they just print that email. And then it says on the email how to get their basket. And they're picking it up the week of the 5th through the 9th, right? Exactly, at our uh, at our chalet. There you go, <laughs> at the chalet. <laughs> so it'll it'll be just a drive up. We can we can make it quick and simple uh, after drop off. It'll be very easy for you to do, and we'll certainly be able to help get things loaded, and then you'll be on your way. Exactly, super easy. Excellent. Look at all this stuff. There's cooking classes and seafood vouchers and restaurant vouchers and playtime musical toy yep. sets. And I just, and oh, and there's one of my favorites, the American candy basket. Yes, that one's quite popular. Um, we, we had quite a lot of interest in keep on, people keep on wanting to give us baskets. So we kept on accepting them. So if you went and bid early, maybe you might want to join, uh, go back to the page and see there might be some um, selections. Oh, that's, um, that's important. So we've added baskets since yes. we last talked. Okay. We have added baskets. Well, let's yeah, go down and see what's at the bottom. I love this stuff dot lion too. I think I actually put a few entries into that. That, that looks huge. And the love of a lion. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh we, gosh. Look at all this. It's going very, very well. And, um, we look forward to seeing everybody on October 4th at three o'clock. Excellent. And I'll be there helping to MC that and we'll see how efficiently we can do it. Uh, we'll be on live video on Facebook Live, just like you're right here. So it'll be the same as we've always done. Um, if there are other parents out there that want to uh, participate and haven't yet joined Facebook Live, please encourage them to come in and do it. And I will click the control. The, the, it's automatically recorded on Facebook Live. So if you don't get a chance, to see the distribution on Sunday, you'll be able to go back and watch it all over again and watch us make all the same mistakes and whatever else we end up doing that day. <laughs> we'll make it as fun as we can. We always have fun when we're together, so it'll be a great time. This uh, rally up has been absolutely wonderful for us to be able to bring this uh, tradition 
uh, to our year and still be able to do this uh, despite the limitations. And while we weren't able to have the barbecue, uh, we can still have lots of fun and get lots of wonderful donations out to the community. And John, that's the main idea. Sorry. No, no. And everyone is asking about the UN and Rupali has uh, some news to share with us. So Rupali, talk to us about UN. UN Day. Yes, the UN Day, which is um, a symbol of cultural diversity. Uh, we've been celebrating it at ASW for many years now. I mean, with national costumes, with flags, music performances and whatnot. Uh, this year will be a little different. We do not want to, again, like John said, we will do it with some limitations, keeping the guidelines, you know, safety guidelines and the current guidelines in mind. So, uh, but, but we don't want to break the tradition of doing UND at ASW. We are still thinking through the whole plan. Uh, the one thought that we have is to do it outdoors within the campus, but not inside the school premises, maybe in the outdoors in the parking area where we have mm -hmm. cars decorated as countries this time instead of doing stalls inside. And like the closing day, we have a drive-through parade or we have a walking parade. Uh, definitely in off school hours because we don't want children to mingle with parents who are not tested. So um, your ideas and your suggestions are welcome. We are still thinking through this. It may not happen in October. And anyway, we have, a, you know, we have our raffle in October. We will have the zombie run, which Maria will talk about. So we, though UN is traditionally on 24th October, but we are planning to move it to November so that we can do a good job. And we also have something in November. So if you have any suggestions or ideas, please let us know. These, this is the broad format that we are thinking of where we will have each car decorated, one or two cars maybe representing each country. There will be some giveaways, individually packed giveaways, um, nothing where we're using our hands. Gloves will be worn, masks will be worn, but not inside the school, outside the school. So that's the thought right now. So an aggressive project, but we think we might have a plan here. And again, we're trying to figure out how do we maintain, as we did last year, some of our core traditions and really value our diversity. And this seems to be coming together as a plan we can all embrace and figure out how to make it happen for our kids, for our families, uh, for our community and, and bring that together. So thank you, Rupali. And I know we'll be talking in the coming week here about a lot of the details associated with this to see if we can't uh, get the rest of it pulled together. And again, parents, if you have any ideas, please reach out to your PTO reps and reach out to us as well uh, with your ideas so that we can uh, keep working on this. John, may I say one more thing? Please do. Uh, we have a new role this year, the UN ambassadors and Rupali is doing an amazing work. Rupali, you wanna say something about this new role? Yes, so we're going to, so we have country ambassadors, each of the, you know, most of the countries uh, represented in ASW, we have an ambassador from each country. They've already helped a lot of our new families settle down. I know for sure that the American ambassador, which is Aloma right here, the German ambassador, which is Manuela, and a lot of other people, the Italians, everybody's meeting in smaller groups and, you know, bringing in that sense of community. And uh, for the UN Day, I think our ambassadors will again come up and play a much bigger role to get their countries together. And then all of us will present our you know, community as one whole, as a strong community. So we're really looking forward to our ambassadors getting back into action, having settled all the new families 
families, please come back and let's work together and make this UN Day a huge success. That's brilliant. And I know that the ambassadors were absolutely fabulous with our new families at the new family orientation. It was just so nice for those families to be able to connect with somebody with a, with a similar cultural background and, and that could help them even in their native languages um, get connected on some of the key information. So it's definitely something that really added tremendously um, to our ability, and particularly under the circumstances with the way that we had to do orientation with a more refined and more uh, restricted format. It really helped bridge that gap. So uh, hats off, ladies, it's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you. Maria, final thoughts? Anything else on PTO's front or it's just participate now, right? Participate, come and find us. Our chalet is will undergo under a major facelift. So little surprises coming in the next few weeks. <laughs> you will see, but in order to see, you need to come. There you and go. Offer <laughs> coffee. So we got to let those elementary parents, they just have to take the loop around the upper school and, and get a chance to take a look there before they head off. To it's do okay. Them. They will burn a few more calories. It's okay. Easy. Gotcha. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, ladies, thank you so much for joining tonight. I so appreciate everything that you're doing for the school and everything you're adding to community here. It's absolutely fabulous what PTO does. And, you know, we, we so appreciate you for everything. And you guys have been just stalwarts for me, I have to say. For me personally, thank you so much for your kind words, your participation, stepping up to help. It has been an absolute uh, amazing component of making this viable and doable on a daily basis. So thank you for this. Thank you. Thank you, thank you so much, John. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. We'll, we'll let you guys trundle off and we'll get Dr. O back in here. Dr. O, how are you doing tonight? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? Not too bad. <laughs> It's been a busy day today. And as I know, everybody's thinking about, we had another case this afternoon. So um, that special update's out and we don't necessarily need to focus on that, but you were with us in the crisis team again today as our usual partner and taking that uh, bull by the horns. And I think we've got uh, a good plan uh, just like we did last week. So we're following our same protocol and following our same uh, understanding of how we need to protect here. Um, I'm going to go to Slido here, and Dr. O, I, I apologize, but there are some continued questions about your background. I know we've covered this in just about every video presentation we've ever had here, but uh, would you mind just kind of giving people a backdrop again of uh, your um, history and how you came to this role at Epixpert and um, and just maybe give people a quick summary again. I know it's on the website and everything's there. And I've got Slido up, which is where we've got questions. Oh, okay. I want to address those as we go through tonight. But the one is about your specialization, your backdrop. I've read many of your research journal articles. Um, I know you've got hundreds of them out there. Um, but do you want to give us a general summary and how you found yourself in an epidemiological role in looking at public health? Yep. So uh, the the you know the truth of the matter is I uh, I was um, always a big fan of uh, life sciences in general. Maybe it's a bit my parents' uh, fault because they are both uh, physicians, so they kind of brought me up in the spirit, you know. And every dinner conversation was about patients, and uh, and uh, uh, so I was following this path since uh, you know my the first book I remember was called the uh, the century of Physi of surgeons 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I was 10 years old, and this is like a book about, you know, blood and stuff, but uh, I really enjoyed it. It was really fun. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, but uh, so uh, I, uh, I graduated uh, first biology and uh, microbiology at University of Victoria in Canada, uh, preceded by an IB uh, in, uh, also in Victoria at Pearson College. I was actually, I was going to wear this hat to Okay, you got Pearson there. Oh, good for you. <laughs> so, to show off my uh, my alma mater, it's a, it's a funny story. But I was, uh, we were recently, uh, still before COVID time, uh, skiing in Italy, and my uh, son was wearing, a, you know, a ski hat out from Pearson. And there's a, you know, a lady uh, comes up to my son and she says, uh, "Where did you get the hat?" And he's like, "Well, it's my dad's school." And she is uh, like, oh, I went to the same school. Mm-hmm. You know, this is like in the middle of the slopes in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, those of us in international, we often have these experiences, right? We come. Yeah, across. exactly. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, and then I approached them, and uh, she says, "Did you go to Pearson?" I'm, yeah, I did. Went to Pearson. And she's like, "My name is Kasia. I'm Jarek." And she's like, "Are you Polish?" Yeah, I'm Polish. So we are both Polish, except like 15 years apart, you know, from uh, at Pearson. So. Anyway, and the even the funniest thing, uh, you know, that happened. I'm sorry about the, the digression, but it just brought. Oh no, please. Uh, the the previous uh, uh, kind of uh, country we lived in was Belgium, and uh, my daughter was attending the International School of Brussels. Right. And uh, so one day she comes back. This was uh, back six years ago. So she comes back home one day, and you know we're talking at dinner time, and she's like. Um, Oh, daddy, you know, um, uh, we have, I have this uh, friend in my class mm-hmm. and he says his grandpa, he invented the Canadian flag. I'm like, what do you mean he invented the Canadian flag? Like, who, you know, who, I didn't even know who invented the Canadian flag. <laughs> She's like, oh, I, I don't know. But, and I'm, I'm asking her, so what is his last name? And she says, Pearson. And I'm like, so was his grand- grandpa Lester Pearson? And she's like, I don't know, I will ask him. So she asks him. So it turns out this is like the uh, great grandson of Lester B. Pearson, who was the founder of Pearson College, obviously. <laughs> and uh, Mike Pearson, his uh, son, you know, uh, so it was a great son, a great, uh, gra- not great grandson, grandson. And Mike Pearson, the son of Lester Pearson, who is on the board of Pearson, he of was course. in Brussels. Yeah, uh, 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 he was kind of the spouse of his wife, who was a NATO uh, uh, official representing Canada in NATO. And I'm like, oh my God, this is just <laughs> such a, you know, the world is so small. So anyway, so uh, so my uh, so my uh, University of Victoria was then followed by a medical degree in uh, Poland, uh, uh, followed by a, a PhD also in Poland and a postdoc at Northwestern in uh, in Chicago. And actually, during my medical time, I was uh, uh, I was uh, broadly interested, let's say, in um, uh, high risk pregnancies. Mm-hmm. And my core specialty was multiple pregnancies. So if you look, if you look me up back in kind of the early 2000s, 
uh, I was uh, I was among the kind of the top ten guys in multiple pregnancy, and I'm still up to today the co-author co-author of the only textbook for uh, medical doctors on triplet pregnancies. So there was oh, only wow. one textbook in the history of. Uh... So, so I'd seen many of your articles on the on the pregnancy and and yeah. obstetrics front. Yeah. But I hadn't caught that one. So, yeah, so yeah, the triplets yeah. is all yours. <laughs> so the triplet is all mine. So this was this is a, but that's uh, that's kind of uh, you know old uh, old story. Um, uh, the, then uh, I followed a, a completely different path after I did my postdoc. I went to McKinsey. I was uh, doing a lot of consulting work in the U.S., in Poland, in the U.K., in France, all over the world. Uh, to be honest, uh, then in the pharma industry. And then when COVID started in uh, February, mm -hmm. I got myself very actively interested in the, you know, in the problem, you know, because it was just a very, you know, it, it was a fascinating problem for me. Not that I was not fascinated by the things in life sciences all throughout my pharma career, but this was kind of, oh my God, you know, what, what is happening to the world? And I was really following up with, uh, you know, with, um, a lot of scientists around the world first you know it was about projections about the uh, kind of forecasts of how the pandemic could evolve uh, i was working with uh, this top university in uh, new zealand uh, uh, on developing this uh, this uh, model for the for how the epidemic would evolve mm -hmm. uh, then i started working with scientists at harvard on another model then at stanford on another model it was it was just kind of you know because every the world became so small at that time and everybody was kind of okay let's you know let's tackle this together Mm -hmm. And then I created this group called uh, manifestcovid19.pl, which was a, uh, a, a voluntary group of uh, physician managers, just like myself. And uh, we decided to, uh, to write a roadmap for exiting lockdown. Okay. Right. So this was the first independent Polish. This was back in uh, late March when Poland entered lockdown. Right. So this was right at the very beginning. This I was remember right at the beginning. This, right? right at the very beginning. And, uh, you know, I, I at, at some stage I was, uh, you know, talking to a couple of uh, friends uh, who are also physicians. And uh, we said, you know, we have to do something. And then we kind of pulled together a group of 25 uh, physicians, but not only physicians. Finally, it was like, you know, uh, IT people and uh, and uh, digital health experts and epidemiologists. Uh, you know, we, we had ex-ministers, ex-prime ministers on the on the team, and uh, we wrote this uh, you know this manifest. We sent it to the government. Uh, it was widely publicized in the media, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, and this this gave me the you know the impetus to say well. You know, we maybe there is a uh, there is a, an opportunity to actually uh, help companies and help the country to manage through the pandemic because it was obvious at that time it was uh, April that the pandemic will not end in April it will last and it was obvious that it will be the probably the biggest uh, disruptor in uh, you know of, of a century if not longer. Yeah. And we're learning that, right? <laughs> and we're learning that now. And, you know, since, again, I, 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 I always tried in my life to do things that, uh, you know, have impact. And, uh, 
uh, even though I was, you, you know, you may say I was kind of on the on the dark side, you know, in the pharma industry. But to be honest, again, when you look me up, I was doing a lot of other things beyond my kind of the, the, the regular pharma job, uh, which always had to do with um, with uh, you know the, the bigger the bigger picture. And this was, uh, you know, my call to action, and my heart said, you know, mm. look, you have to do something, and I quit the company and um, set up epi experts uh, with a couple of other guys who are also passionate about this topic and that was april you know this mm -hmm. was april so i'm i'm uh, you know i'm not uh, uh, certainly i'm the last guy to say i'm an epidemiologist with uh, 55 years of uh, training and experience i'm not mm -hmm. uh, i'm a guy who just uh, i think uh, like anybody else is learning uh, as we go. Uh, I'm just putting it 18 hour days to learn and uh, develop things together again with uh, you know, colleagues from around the world uh, to help this, um, you know, this, uh, the, the, again, the, you know, the, the world to survive, you know, and I'm, I'm, maybe I'm sounding a bit pathetic, but. In many ways you're, you're mustering, you know, a, a, a hugely credible resume and simply putting it into action in, in public health. I mean, yes. a public health degree does not help us in this instance. <laughs> no. you know, it, it helps yeah. us maybe in one aspect of this, but it's really about putting the medical sciences and the medical validation sciences together with public policy. There you are. Coming up with something that actually works. That's, which is that, not that's the point. Now. That's the point. And I think that's, you know, it's about putting together core science, you know, and really understanding core science. It's about understanding the clinical implications of science and mm -hmm. then putting it all into action. And uh, it's a bit what, uh, you know, I have been doing bits and pieces of this throughout my career when, you know, first I was a core scientist kind of doing the papers and I published over a hundred papers in peer reviewed journals. Um, then I was a, a core clinician really at the forefront, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. I could uh, I could spend the next 18 town halls full time discussing with you and telling you stories about my time in the ER and in the delivery yeah. room. Uh, and then uh, actually managing companies uh, and kind of uh, trying to figure out, okay, so how does a company actually work? How do you manage thousands of people all around the mm -hmm. world? Yeah. And how do you instill a culture, for example? How do you put programs together that actually work, that people, you know, get kind of in their heads and say, okay, from tomorrow I will be doing things differently. And mm -hmm. here all these bits and pieces are coming together because it is about understanding the science. It is about understanding the, putting the implications of science into clinical practice and then converting into, converting all of them into solutions that actually work in larger organizations. Yep, and, and that latter piece in terms of culture and put, bringing things into the fabric of things is where you and I really resonate because that's a main function of my leadership role in terms of how I lead schools is how do we make things um, woven into practice? How do we build um, our practice and make it natural and normal and automatic and part of our tool set when things are changing so constantly around yep. us? So, yep. you know, it really helps. Um, let's let's go ahead and move on to these questions. You know, Doctor O, oh, I really appreciate you and thank you for taking the time to actually walk everybody through that because I think that one will be 
the final, hopefully, answer to that question of how you are prepared and how you are the right partner for us at this time and in this situation. Um, in, in the first question up, though, is this centipede uh, issue. And, and, and we wrote in the white paper how we saw the relationship between the agencies. It is actually playing out. I'm, we're actually not sure why Centipede PSHNO didn't know about this because all of these were duly reported yep. through the normal channels. It may be a little bit of a disconnect between Centipede Warsaw and Centipede PSHNO in the process of the registry and the way these are reported. Uh, this is another aspect of public policy is how these information databases are connected and how people are put in touch with information. But we're happy to report that we've duly informed Santipede PSHNO of our entire history here and brought them up to speed. Yep. Um, all of the cases, right back to the very beginning ones, have been duly reported through the PCR confirmatory testing. So we're really not sure why there was a gap in information between other than PSHNO, but um, Santipede PSHNO has reached out and we've now started to build a relationship with them. Do you want to add anything to that? Because I know you were in touch with them yesterday. And I know yeah. we're working out a little bit of the nuts and bolts of how we can uh, make sure that they're in the loop in the future. But uh, they they seemed open to building that relationship. No, absolutely. And and I think the, you know, the, the approach that we had was a little bit uh, uh, kind of putting the centipede hat uh, and putting uh, the kind of the regular centipede uh, speed that they have, which is, let's say, first gear into kind of the fifth gear, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, that's what we are trying to do here. And this is something that we have also uh, shared in the in the white paper. This was one of the key learnings from the University of Illinois that again was a role model in terms of the program for testing, et cetera, that they said, look, we cannot rely on the only on the official channels because they're way too slow because they take 24 hours, 48 hours, and we need to take the decision now. Yeah. We cannot, if we have a case and we report to Sanep, we will hear from them tomorrow or day after. But in the meantime, we have to do something. We cannot just continue status quo because people will get infected. Right. So, uh, so we have been, uh, you know, we have been putting the hat of Sanepid, and uh, uh, and now, uh, you know, we will be informing them as we, as we as we go. However, we will not be changing our approach. We will still right. be we will still be acting immediately, like we have been so far, which is we have a case, and within two hours we have a crisis team, and we have a decision. Yeah, what to do. And, and, this that's, is the and that's, that just, that's just in excess of guidelines. It's not counter to guidelines. No, no, no. It's in excess of guidelines. We're doing more, way more. We are doing way more than guidelines. And, uh, and this is, you know, again, and, and maybe I am a, I'm a, I'm a freak uh, in terms of kind of the speed of action. But again, I come from uh, my, my medical background was uh, shaped by the emergency room and by the delivery room. And right. And again, I, I, I can tell you stories when, uh, you know, we had to take decisions in seconds to save a life of the woman and the unborn child, you know, and it was not minutes. Yeah. It was seconds, you know, and, and we knew it. And sometimes, you know, again, you know, the elevator was not working, so we had to carry. If, you know, sometimes we're doing the surgery kind of uh, not in the OR because we didn't have 60 seconds to go to the OR. We had to do it right in the delivery room. 
Yeah. And we did it, you know, and, and we knew, okay, the risk was infection, et cetera, et cetera. But the, the downside of not doing it was death. And, and I presume, just like we're doing, a big chunk of that is this term they call triage. Yeah, which is, absolutely. Which is you're making an assessment of the situation using kind of key metrics as quickly and efficiently as you can. And part yes. of that is efficient tests that you could turn around in minutes and know exactly. what the status of the patient is. That's and, exactly right. And, 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 you know, it might be uh, the oxygen meter on the fingertip. Yeah. Give you a sense of whether the person's really getting oxygen in their system and blood pressure and all the things that are like those first things you do in order to triage a patient and find out what's happening. And Absolutely. here we're reacting quickly and efficiently to that kind of same triage testing to make sure that we're catching things as much as we can and as early as we can so that we can take that kind of definitive action. So and the level of, uh, you know, and the level of uh, contact tracing that we are doing with each case beyond the school, I think is just uh, way more than Sanepid would ever think about because, you know, like today we were discussing tennis club, tennis lessons, this coach, this kid, uh, this one. I mean, th this is really going uh, way beyond. And, and again, uh, we, we will be we will be working. We will be notifying, uh, but we're not changing the status quo because again, here we we uh, life is at stake, and I will not uh, jeopardize this. Uh, and again, I, I'm uh, you know this is I will protect you guys at any cost, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and uh, and I will be really really quite adamant about sticking to our process because I again so far it has worked. If, if uh, we discover that it doesn't work, then we will adapt because again, it's not something, it's not set in stone, just like in medicine, you know, I mean, I remember my boss uh, back uh, 25 years ago, he was mentioning there was this guy in the, the 1800s, you know, a famous obstetrician who was saying, if you're doing something in medicine the same way as you have been 10 years ago, you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah, so <laughs> exactly. Even, even in the 1800s, medicine was changing every 10 years. 1800s, you know, and uh, and today it's changing on a daily basis. So yeah, we are reacting on a daily basis. Well, we all we all know the definition of uh, wrongheadedness, right? <laughs> Thinking <laughs> yeah, over yeah. and over again and expecting a different result. There you are. <laughs> all right. Well, let me uh, get through. Well, one other thing we should highlight. I don't know if it's in the questions or not, but before I get back to the questions. Um, we are going to be updating the survey, and I wrote about that tonight in eNotes, so parents already have a heads up. I think you and I are working on final edits tomorrow, but again, the point is we're trying to respond to the results of the science and the things that we're doing in order to get better and better at what we're doing. So we're, we're hopeful of trying to make the, the description of all this as clear as possible when we send it out tomorrow so that parents can adapt to it through the weekend as they, and remember parents, you're still filling out the survey all during the long vacation every, every day. You don't have to do it 7.45 in the morning though. We'll give you that Ooh. break. Um, but, uh, but we want you, the, the survey is going to flip at some point during this weekend and get us into next week with some modified questions and I think, again, I, I value the conversation we've had about going through changing government guidelines and trying to express those, but also about streamlining and making it clearer for parents so that it's also the educational tool that we expect it to be. Correct. Okay, um, I've got some questions here and some of them I have to admit everybody may not make some sense to me, so I might put them off 
to another time. I, you, somebody's written, you have a parent survey. Can we also get a teacher survey? I'm really not sure what the person's referring to. If it's a survey about teachers, we don't do that. Uh, we don't evaluate teachers or praise teachers that way. And, and not many schools do. Uh, you know, working with teachers on constant improvement is all part of our function in administration and working with staff. Uh, we do sometimes, we do regularly and rigorously poll students, how are you feeling about your class and how are things going for you, uh, particularly at the upper end. Uh, but uh, if you're asking about a survey for teachers or to teachers, I'm not sure what you're referring to. And so that parents know, um, we are surveying teachers on the backside and we have, I think, another version of that coming up real soon here and we're regularly checking in uh, to see how our staff are doing in the context of everything that's going on. Um, new surveys and our, our time lag. Okay, I can explain this quite simply. I know you think it's an automatic connection. It's not, unfortunately. We have an older badge system. All of our other systems, we're getting automatic updates, including at the door, we're getting automatic updates of completing the survey, which is why there's a gap between what the gate may show and what we have on the computer, which means some kids are stopped for 10 seconds while we check their name, find out that they're clear and send them on to class. But the badge system is a manual upload and it actually takes about four minutes to upload the data into the badge system so it can deploy to all the nodes. So I know the IT professionals out there are saying, why can't it be later? Why can't it be simpler? It's literally because right now for that badge system, it's not an automatic connection. And I think I explained that the last time when we optimized it and said we could go to 745. We're gonna to try to tighten it further. Uh, again, we can check. It just means that your child's going to be stopped for a minute while we pull up the database and see the live information that we do have in our record system where we can see immediately whether a survey has been filled out. And by the way, that's another question that's in here. We, and it's right down here, as a matter of fact. Um, we do get a little bit more data than what this, and I said this earlier, we get basically zero, one, two, three. So we get zero if it's clear. We get a one if it's missing a survey, we get a two if it's an expired test and therefore we have to do some retesting. And then the last one is exclude. And that's it. That's all we get from Epixpert is zero, one, two, three. And that, that, that's why when we call, we have at least a little bit of insight into why your child's status needs to be checked. And the survey obviously was the most common one. So it was really important for us to break that information out so we could quickly and easily resolve it and get kids back into class. If it's exclude, and, and we don't typically ever have kids come to the entrance that are exclude per se, um, unless we've had a parent contact us in advance to say, oops, I put the wrong temperature in, or oops, I, I put those. And I know Dr. O, you're actually, prioritizing those kinds of things where people say I messed up on my survey so that they get those resolved pretty quick order. Yes. Whereas some other questions to support might be lower priority and it might take a day or so. But Correct. those I think you're prioritizing on a daily basis. Yes. Um, so I hope that helps explain the 745 and uh, the information that we're getting. Um, someone's written about tuition increases and this was actually a topic at the more recent board meeting, we had some people in the audience and we and Mr. Young and myself made it very clear that there's no implications of what we're doing that is suggesting any kind of a tuition increase is coming. In fact, 
we're doing this within emergency reserves. We've got the whole year scoped out. It's well within our boundaries in terms of what we set aside for mitigation. Many of the projects we did around the school, we were able to capture within our normal capital budget and were legitimate upgrades to the facility. And so there's really no fear of tuition increases and we really need to dismiss that rumor. That's not something that we're planning by any stretch of the imagination. We're going into very good financial health and going into a very normal budget planning year as we move into the months where the board and the finance committee start addressing that. So it's all handled and everything um, is in a very good place for the school. We're doing very good. And that's even with our slightly short enrollment. We're short just a tad enrollment. I think it's about 3%, 3-5% in revenue, but we've adjusted the budget. Everything's covered. And, and we've got amazing people in the business office that are handling this and managing this. And, and, and it's really, you do not need to worry about that. There's not a huge expense coming down the line. Um, Dr. O, this was an interesting question, and I, I couldn't wait to share it with you um, because, and, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems like um, that's an inappropriate application of public health science in looking at testing of kids. And I presume this is talking about guests, not ASW students, who are going to be invited to a party. And I think our recommendation is that's just not viable right now well i mean it's uh, uh you know the, the the there's a couple of things so we do have a service uh, in the company that uh, offers testing before events and mm -hmm. i was even sharing with john we had uh, you know there was a big event uh, yesterday in one of the hotel, hotels outside of Warsaw, and we had 160 people and they decided they wanted to test everybody including the hotel staff etc Mm -hmm. This was actually good because there was quite a few people who tested positive. Uh, so obviously, it's um, you know uh, we do this type of service. It's um, so I'm I, I, I'm uh, you know f f kind of putting my business hat on. I say okay, fine. You know, it's uh, obviously it it gives you a sense of security and it gives you a good enough um, uh, result base. And we have. You know, we have by now gathered our own experience because, uh, you know, the tests we're using, they have uh, the reported 96.5% sensitivity, 99.7% specificity. So there is, uh, according to the manufacturer, there is still some room of false negatives and some room of false positives. Very small, very small margin, but there yeah. is still some. In our own experience, and we have by now, actually, we had... Uh, interestingly, both our own research, but this was relatively small, and we actually had some clients who said, okay, we want to do antigen and PCR together. Mm -hmm. So, yes. So by now we have gathered about close to a thousand cases, okay, where we had antigen and PCR concurrently at the same time. So our uh, false uh, negative rate so far has been about 0.5%. Okay, so our wow. sensitivity is 99.5%. And we had uh, 0.1 out of 1,000, so 0.1% false positives. So it's 99.9% .9 specificity. So oh. this is our own results. 
you know, this is not clinical data, no, no, but it's no, as close. Not. It's as close to clinical as you can get, because we were doing swabs literally one after the other, okay, from the same place, same swab kits, etc. Oh wow! Yeah, that's got to be powerful data. I it's mean, very powerful data. I know it's, it's not powerful. huge, but remember we talked about at the very beginning that nobody ever does this on yeah. the <laughs> health front. They never, they never test this for prevention and for, there you are. Yeah, for it yeah. in general population. They only use it diagnostically. Exactly. So here's, exactly. here's now enough tests under your belt and you yes. actually have the kind of evidence and declaration yes. that says, yes. yeah, we really do have better than what's on paper here. It's even better than on paper. And you know, it, it is often the case because obviously in clinical data, you have you know extremely sophisticated controls, et cetera and you're testing in specific conditions and under specific guidelines. Here, it's actually real world evidence, you know, and we're testing in the real world. Uh, and again, the protocol is as close to clinical as you can get, but we're testing, we're screening asymptomatic populations. Yeah. And that's the results we're getting on, you know, and again, it's on a relatively larger group of people. And I think also the fact that, uh, you know, the WHO now announced uh, this uh, big uh, deal with Abbott and the SD BioCenter, the manufacturer of our tests, to buy uh, over 100 million doses, uh, 100 million tests, um, uh, you know, uh, worldwide together with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, I think is a good- That, was just, that was just reported by who? This was reported by okay, WHO, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah that it's a, it's a solid, uh, I think, also testament to the quality uh, of the test, that these are the two tests that were chosen by the WHO, the FIND, which is this uh, you know, NGO, which actually does the clinical testing for WHO of all the tests around the world for any disease, uh, and Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So, it, you know, uh, and our own data would show an even better, uh, you know, uh, clinical performance and diagnostic performance than in the manufacturer declaration. So, again, I, I feel uh, very confident that uh, the approach we have is working. The tests, the test kits we're using are working. Um, uh, this type of setup, you know, is obviously a bit unusual. Uh, but again, happy to provide this uh, this service because again, I, I feel this is a, uh, especially in populations uh, where they mix with others, uh, and uh, otherwise, if you cannot, you know, if you, obviously it's tough to postpone an 18th birthday party, uh, if you yeah, can do, exactly. if you can do, uh, you know. But if you cannot, if it's really important, then I think uh, the prudent thing would be to uh, to do the testing. Okay, so absolutely possible then, and maybe viable in the current situation. I, this is also in the context of the government just dropping the uh, group size for gatherings, public gatherings yeah. from 150 to 100. Yeah. Uh, again, trying to figure out the public policy side of this in order to keep people safe. Absolutely. But, so maybe this is the prudent action. So thank yeah. you for that. Um, let's see, I'm not a, uh, respecting all COVID concerns, the school is about learning. Anonymous, thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about learning. And I got to tell you, learning's going on every day, whether it was the uh, choir club that was doing things yesterday, uh, all outdoors and socially distanced so that we could have a lot of singing going on around the campus. But we also have had subject matter and classes and everything going really strong. 
Uh, this is really viable and 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 okay for us. We are doing learning. And you're asking about map tests. I think they covered that in most of the coffees over the last week and also in the open house. But I think we're literally about a week away from results uh, getting published. Um, I think we tied up the last of the makeup exams and then it takes us about a, a week or so of processing. So I think most of the principals were suggesting it's imminent and coming very shortly. But thank you for asking that. And thank you for reminding us always, as we're always reminding ourselves that learning is our real focus here at ASW. And it's going on all around the building. Everything I see every day demonstrates that learning is absolutely back in play. Um, COVID-related matter matters and procedures, that's the case. What are the school undertakings to promote and convey efficient and successful learning? Well, I think I just answered that. So again, we are focused on learning and making sure um, that we've got our processes in place. I think these two are connected to each other. Um, we are really focused tomorrow in particular in our PD day on many things related to uh, continuing to grow our capabilities as educators. And so we've got things on tap tomorrow that are PYP related, MYP related, uh, DP connected. Uh, there's a variety and range of activities that are all about improving uh, what we're doing in the classrooms or our building on successes we've already had. Um, and so everything's alive and well in terms of learning. Uh, process uh, at ASW. And uh, I think you saw that in the back to school nights, even though they were virtual and parents weren't here on site. Uh, I watched many of those videos. I sat in on the uh, public presentations um, that, and I also helped uh, technically support my wife during the parent gatherings in her first grade classroom. So I had a real good sense of what everybody was sharing with you that demonstrated very clearly the focus on learning here at ASW and what we're doing. So thank you for those two. Um, there's somebody asking about our absentee rate. And again, I'm gonna remind you, and I've shared this before, and it's actually quite clear in the header on the daily update that the absence rate does not include hybrid students. So hybrid students are out of the equation. So when you see 91.5%, it means 8.5% of regular students are absent on that day. And I will say that our absentee rate, and particularly with sniffles and things in the fall as it starts to cool off, um, is about where it normally would be, maybe a tad higher, because I think, Dr. O, we're having an impact uh, just based on me reading some of the excuses today. Uh, parents are being cautious. If their kids got sniffles, even though it's not a COVID symptom, they're keeping them home and making sure they're well before they come to school. Thank you, parents. Thank you. Uh, you know, and, and it's not a temperature, so we're not necessarily thinking it's this, but I think we're just doing this out of an abundance of caution. And I, and I think that maybe has upped our absent rate just a tad, uh, but 90% plus on a daily basis through the fall and winter, that's pretty par for the course. And it's not the same kids every day. It's different kids each day. So it might be a few kids one day and changes to different kids the next day. So um, that answers, I think, both the 8.5% here and the 91.5. And it's across all divisions. You know, it's about 20 or so in elementary. It's about 12 or 15 and six through eight. And then we've got nine, 10 and about a dozen. And then there's usually about a dozen in DP. But as I look at the list, um, while some kids are out for long-term illnesses, and of course we've had kids breaking legs, we've had kids <laughs> twisting arms, you know, learning how to use crutches, uh, all the normal stuff that happens to kids, 
um, causes these absences. And I will mention that some of those absences also are just regular doctor's appointments and things like mm -hmm. that, that kids are doing too. So nothing abnormal here and staying above 90% is the target, right? And, mm -hmm. and separating that from our hybrid population gives us an accurate picture of what our attendance looks like from a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, I've got it. I cannot refrain from the impression effective learning teaching process has been put in the secondary position. No, it actually hasn't. And I think we've reinforced that a couple of times. Uh, UN Day we talked about with PTO. So hopefully we answered that question for you. Um, middle school lost and found. Just a small question, but I'm happy to answer it. Um, the, you asked about when it will be cleared. We cleared summer and we notified everybody in the daily updates. We don't clear again until our next big vacation usually winter break, sometime we even wait until the end of the year. If anyone needs to get to the lost and found room, they just need to go to the divisional office and they'll take good care of you and make sure kids get to their lost stuff. Um, new family to ASW, we hope there be no homework and no reading of books included in curriculum for the school break. Um, I don't think teachers plan a lot of homework during the school break. But if there's a kid that's behind or needs to do some catch up, sometimes those kids use the break as an opportunity to catch up. But it's definitely not something we look to require. And it's definitely not something where we're forcing kids to do a lot of homework when we're on a break. So please don't expect that. I don't, I don't think that's something we're planning on doing. Um, thank you, Dr. Olashuk. We got to thank Ooh. you. Any <laughs> advice on where to get immunized for flu? We were just talking about yeah. that today. We've got a problem, right? We have a problem. We have a problem. Um, look, I, I am monitoring the situation uh, constantly, uh, thinking of you and remembering that I promised you that uh, we will be able to provide you with the flu vaccine. It's not as easy as I thought. I mean, I had anticipated it will be tough. I had not anticipated it would be impossible. So um, the, I think at this stage, uh, uh, the only place that is the, uh, I think the closest one to making it available is Luxmet. Okay. So Luxmet has it now uh, for their staff and for uh, medical professionals. Uh, and uh, from what I understand, they will be having it soon for their patients. Again, I am monitoring so it's a also. Typical rollout, right? They roll it out to the frontline professionals. Typical rollout, typical first. rollout. And I hope, I mean, you know, looking at the numbers uh, and at the declarations of the Minister of Health, they did not order enough, obviously, for Poland. And uh, we will have shortages. So, uh, but again, I am. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's on my top priority list, and um, I cannot promise you anything, but I am monitoring the situation constantly. And I'll and I'll throw in there too that we've of course talked to our other partners as well in the hopes of getting a consortium together to try to serve this need. It's not just you; it's everybody out there, including the person who just wrote the question. That they've called several clinics, and none of them has the vaccine. And I've had multiple parents ping me in separate messages about the inavailability of, uh, of the flu vaccine, which is troubling, uh, particularly this early. I would say actually this late, because normally it's right about now that we're saying to people, go get your vaccine, first of October, right? Yeah, the, the normally, 
The supplies start in uh, the second half of September and kind of the first immunizations happen uh, beginning of October. So this is the time. So uh, uh, again, it's, it's, it's been extremely difficult and obviously again, we, we could have anticipated. Uh, but again, and remembering also my time because in my previous company, we had a flu vaccine and you know the process is actually not quite that easy because the, the the manufacturing demands are extremely high because you have to you know remember that this is a usually if not uh, live it's an attenu attenuated attenuated vaccine meaning you actually have to produce it from live cultures you know that's why you know right. kind of when you're allergic to egg uh, you you know you cannot take it because it's produced by eggs you know it's produced by living organisms so it's not like you can suddenly build a manufacturing plant or uh, write in the computer instead of 100 to 100,000 and it will spill out 100,000 instead of 100. You actually I remember back in the previous company I worked for uh, the ordering process from the affiliates so kind of when I was in Poland I had to order it about 12 months in advance. So I was order, ordering in November for the following October, okay? So the orders uh, from, the, from Poland, from the companies Pfizer, Sanofi, AstraZeneca, uh, Milan, they were made in November, December of last year before COVID, mm -hmm. okay? So nobody knew that the demand for the flu vaccine suddenly would be so high at that time. And I'm sure they made some adjustments, but again, it's extremely difficult, especially also given the fact that everybody, all the same guys, and this is relating a bit to the last question, uh, they're all also uh, building manufacturing capacity for the COVID vaccine at the same time. Oh, so you're thinking you're saying that that has siphoned some resources from the certainly, food vaccine? Certainly, because they're all. Because you know, it's all 12, what, 12 to 18 months ahead of time. Ahead. Right? Now they're so, doing it in six. and Yeah, and they're doing it in the six. And, and I know uh, for a fact that some of them are already manufacturing doses of the COVID vaccine at risk. So they don't have it approved, but they are already ramping up, already like physically manufacturing the vaccines just waiting for the EMA, FDA and other regulatory agencies approval and kind of waiting for the final wording, what they can put on the box, but the actual vials are being produced as we speak. Oh, fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's even, why- Even before stage three trials are done. Even before they are done, yeah, because otherwise, again, the process takes 12 to 18 months. So if they wait for the regulatory approval oh, yeah. in Makes December, sense. then the first doses would be available December 21. But so I, I actually that, that kind of makes sense because that explains why the huge amounts of millions of dollars being invested in the companies, even though they don't have a vaccine yet, is. every exactly. single one of them is building manufacturing and infrastructure for it. Not because it doesn't cost eleven million to do the research in the lab, I yeah. presume. And well, that's yeah, really yeah, about yeah. getting production ready. It's getting production ready. It's it's actually it's actually manufacturing those doses yeah, uh, and uh, having them ready. And I mean, again, they're, they're waiting and uh, you know, a lot of them are already manufactured and, you know, they're hoping they don't have to throw it out into the, uh, the bin because, you know, if FDA says, sorry, uh, then they have to throw, you know, hundred million doses in the bin. 
so obviously there will be some political pressure around this as well. So that's why the process is complicated, but net net of this is it was very uh, you know challenging to ramp up flu and COVID at the same time. Right. And that's and that clearly has had an impact on us here because we're seeing it now. Yeah. Absolutely. And that, of course, you answered the question, but it also is about the part of whether COVID would be available to the school. No, the answer is because it, we really have to get through all of these layers after approval, after we actually get the companies that actually will have. It looks like we may have multiple choices on immunization, yeah. too. So people have to make informed choices of which one. But it's going to be first responders. It's going to roll out yep. to medical professionals, just like the flu virus. It's got to have a, a staggered process yep. in the way in which it's pushed out. Yep. It's fascinating, sir. I have to tell you, I've learned more <laughs> about science through this process and the medical sciences in particular Seriously. than I probably Seriously. ever wanted to know. <laughs> Um, I've got one last question here, which is about upper school students staying home on Monday, Tuesday. I hope you're referring to the Monday and Tuesday after October break. Yeah. I hope you haven't misunderstood the date change and the fact that we've moved all conferences, both elementary and upper school, to the Monday and Tuesday after the October break. And to answer the second question, that information is due to come out shortly. Uh, you may have seen some hints of it in eNotes tonight. I haven't actually read eNotes tonight, so I don't know what links are in there. Uh, but I know that they're ramping up and getting ready for the sign-up process, uh, both for the conferences and also for your drive-in testing that you'll be doing at the end of October break. And Dr. O, you and I spent a lot of time kind of mm. This plan, I brought it together with the team here in terms of orchestrating conferences, uh, but we've got a plan to hit like Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, and get us back into school after the first vacation. And all of this is a dry run for what we're likely to do after the longer winter break. Uh, travel is still our nemesis. It, it still continues to haunt us. What's going to happen when people travel? And, and, and we're encouraging you not to, but we also recognize all the reasons that people are coming with relative to travel uh, and, 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 and the international population that we serve. Um, but we think we got a plan. Definitely, definitely. And, uh, and as John said, you know, I mean, if you, if you can, don't uh, travel. We're also seeing in our, uh, in our experience that a lot of the cases are imported. Uh, even imported within travel within Poland, you know. So, uh, again, this event we were serving a couple of days ago, um, this was uh, guests from all over Poland coming into Warsaw. We had a 5% positivity rate among wow. the participants. Yeah, you told me about that. That's yeah. just amazing. 5%. So this is like, re like really high. Well, uh, you and I talked about this too. I mean, it's it was actually, and I wrote about this tonight, it's still... It was a little bit surprising to me to see the frequency, even in our own population, yeah. this portion of the year. So we've kind of recalibrated our thinking about this. Oh, and yeah. how, you know, this is really going to be kind of a regular happening, not so much because of here, but the outside influences that are going to continue to knock at our door, if you will. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I must say that, you know, you guys have been doing a tremendous job and I'm, uh, you know, I'm uh, referring to how I'm sure you are uh, protecting yourselves and your kids 
because we are actually not seeing that many cases in the school, you know, compared to the other world, to the outside world. And again, we are serving by now, you know, about 50 uh, clients on a regular basis. And we have much smaller companies that have more uh, infections that you have, you know, among 1,300 population. We have clients which, who have 80 um, uh, employees and they already have five or six infections. Uh, so, uh, so you have been doing an amazing job, and please continue. It's it's really as we discussed on many occasions. Uh, you know, COVID is uh, is not a uh, is not an invented disease. It's not a joke. It does leave permanent, possibly permanent, long term uh, structural damage in your lungs, in your heart, even if you're asymptomatic. So you know, it's it's just not worthwhile. You know, it's not it's not worthwhile. So let's protect ourselves. Let's protect our kids. Uh, fortunately, again, it's 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 such a great virus in the end that uh, kids are not affected, and even those asymptomatic ones, it doesn't seem that they have much of a uh, of an impact uh, in the internal organs. Uh, so this is really good news for for schools. But in the end, uh, again, kids are not uh, living in isolation, and uh, and they come back home, and they have parents, they have grandparents. Uh, and uh, and we are at risk, you know, and uh, and uh, and it, it, and it's it, it's fascinating how I think, you know, I've been talking to you back in July about those bubbles, you know, about mm -hmm. creating right. those, those bubbles. I think it was the first town hall that I joined, and um, you know, my my uh, daughter who was in a different uh, in a different school, but uh, we are also testing there on a weekly basis. She was actually going to a to a 16th birthday party of someone, and I asked her. So maybe we will test everybody there. And she said, "No, no, it's just ASW and Academia kids, so mm -hmm. we're all going to be safe." And this is great because you know now kids are actually even themselves are choosing yeah. to invite kids only from ASW and Academia because they know that uh, this is where the regular testing is being happening and this is and they know that kids are safe so but I, but I presume we also have to be cautious about that we don't we have to be want, cautious yeah. we don't want testing to be seen as the panacea no. and I, 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 I'm thoughtful about you know kids who who have got initial word on one case and and said well we were just with that person last night can we get tested <laughs> well yeah we'll test you but it's doesn't really work that way. It's yeah. not about testing immediately after an exposure and finding out if somebody's been exposed. Absolutely. That's not going to happen. The unfortunate reality of contacting somebody who is a positive is you've got an incubation period before yeah. we're going to be able to determine. Now, we're going to catch you before you become infectious to others, yes. but you know, coming right away for a test doesn't really give no. us much that we can go on, which is why we have to be thoughtful about yes. testing as not the only thing we're doing. Absolutely. And it really yeah, is about practices in the home, in school, Absolutely. the things we do on a day-to-day -day basis. So yes, picking your social group so that yes. you stay within the bubble is a good thing, but it's also about all of those families agreeing to follow the rules that Absolutely. say, I'm not doing risky things Absolutely. that are a potential tangent, a vector for that, that infection yeah. to come in. And, and even with all of that, there still is the potential, as we've seen. There is still the potential to emerge. Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, we are, it's about minimizing risk. You know, it's, uh, it's, uh, I think, uh, 
it's a, I, I was, uh, I, it, I saw an interesting quote, I think it was from the president of the Royal Society of uh, uh, Surgeons in uh, the UK, who said that uh, people who are not wearing masks should be considered the same ways as those who are drunk driving. Brilliant. That's and this the, is, I think it's a great analogy. Way. It's a great analogy, I think. And, uh, and, uh, and this is how I think we should, uh, we should view masks. You know, this is uh, exactly the same. You know, you're not wearing masks. You're like a drunk driver. Yeah. And it is really, it's about putting others at risk. Yeah. 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 So let's wear masks. Let's be uh, vigilant. Let's think, you know, it's, it's actually quite simple, you know, because again, we discussed also on many occasions, it's this close contact. So having a conversation with somebody 15 minutes less than a meter and a half without a mask. So if you put all of this together, suddenly, okay, that's easy, you know, I'm just going to avoid these types of situations. So I'll wear a mask all the time. I will keep social distance and I will not spend more than 15 minutes talking to anybody, for, you know, <laughs> in a closed, uh, in a closed room. So I mean, again, it's not, it's not uh, rocket science in the end. It is about adapting behavior. It is about uh, the new norm, but this is the new norm. And, and, uh, and I think that again, it's worthwhile to have it. And by the way, parents, um, on the bottom of my daily update, I'm holding them there for a couple more days, are some wonderful videos you can sit down and watch with your kids. Loosely, it dismiss it does the science. It's a PBS piece. But it also includes information about farts. I'm just going to say it. <laughs> and so it really, I, I think, in a very fun way for a family and for kids in particular, uh, breaks down why masks are important and how, um, how they are really helping us in addressing this challenge. And again, not the only thing, but definitely one of our key important factors to do. And I got to tell you, our kids are brilliant. Our kids are wearing their masks and, and they're finding ways to make them fit better so that they feel comfortable with them. Um, I had somebody at the entrance the other day and we figured out how to loop so that it made it fit a little bit better for him. And he was very happy that as he trundled off to class, um, you know, and again, it was all, all our kids working to make things better for each other and, and, and collaborate as a community. Well, sir, I think, I think that's enough for tonight. I don't see anything else uh, that hasn't been addressed by administrators over in the Facebook stream. Uh, we had about 50 here tonight again, and just a wonderful time with you and talking about everything we need to talk about. And uh, again, a shout out to our PTO ladies out there. You guys were brilliant tonight. Um, raffle, wishing everybody luck. Go find your basket that you want to put a couple of entries down on. Uh, even just go in for $5 and find the one that you really like, like that French wine basket. Oh, no, don't go for that one. That's the one I want. <laughs> How, can I participate? <laughs> How can I participate in the raffle? It's <laughs> open in, Dr. O. It's okay. right on the page. You know, it's it, 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 go.rallyup.com, ASWPTO. <laughs> you can find it. And I know you're all plugged right. in all our newsletters. So there you go. <laughs> All right, sir, I'll let you sign off and Thank I'm going to take us to music. Everyone have a wonderful evening out there. And again, thanks for joining us on Facebook Live here, ASW a Town Hall. And two more weeks. Uh, I have to look at the calendar. That might put us close to into break. I have to think now. Uh, <laughs> look, look at the update tomorrow and I'll tell you what the next date is for our next. going to be the 14th, right? 14th. <laughs> I might get one more in before we yeah, get off. Yeah, break. I think so. so yeah. Thank you. All right. Okay. Have a good evening, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.